is alive. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. This is such an important date in our calendar, in the Christian calendar. It is great to, to celebrate birthdays, you know, the days when great leaders are born. And usually we celebrate the days they were born, and we celebrate the days they died, and that's it. But with Jesus, we celebrate the day he was born in Christmas, and then we celebrate the day he died on Good Friday, and then we celebrate the day he rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, and this is it. That's what makes our belief, our, our religion, if you want to call it that way, because I don't think Christianity is a religion, it's a relationship with God, but that's what makes us different from everybody else. No one can claim they've got a living Savior. And that's what we want to talk about today because our King, He is alive. Amen? Amen. Oh, about, about three of you believe that, right? I said, Jesus is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Our King is alive. On Friday, they shouted, crucify Him. But that was Friday. Sunday was still coming, okay? On, on Friday, Jesus was beaten. They mocked him. They tore him up. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They laughed at him. They made a mockery out of Jesus. But that was Friday. Sunday was coming, okay? On Friday, they uh, nailed him to a cross. And he hung up there in shame and, and in physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering. He suffered on that cross. But that was Friday. Sunday was coming. He died on that cross. He was buried. But that was Friday. Sunday was still coming. Amen. And today, today is Sunday. We are celebrating. Sunday arrived. And when Sunday arrived, they went to his tomb. And they found it, what? Empty. Empty. The guards were gone. The stone had been removed from the entrance to the cave of his tomb. And the tomb was empty. Jesus had said the following to his disciples when he was alive. He said, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But the word of God says the disciples did not understand that. I don't quite know what is there not to understand about the words he's just said. But maybe because it was so strange. Look, today when we read it, we read it with hindsight. We know what happened. We, we've read the story. We are familiar with the story. We celebrate the story every year as Christians. And so we know what happened. But understand, for those disciples, this was something completely new. They had no idea what Jesus meant. I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again the third day. They did not understand. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you find there were a number of things the disciples did not understand. Jesus would say something, he would teach something, and the disciples would not understand. Only much later, after he rose from the dead, and after he walked with them, then the penny dropped, and then they understood. But Jesus had told them, on the third day, I'm going to rise. He was killed on Friday, the first day. Saturday was the second day. Sunday, the third day. And here they are at the tomb, and, and there's nobody there. They found the tomb empty, and they were puzzled and did not know what could have happened. They 
probably didn't even remember what Jesus said. And if they did remember, they probably couldn't make any sense out of it. Because he had risen and could not die again, all that Jesus taught began to make sense when they saw him. Because eventually Jesus appeared to them. And when they saw him and he began to teach to them, then everything began to become clear to them. Began to make sense. And then those very disciples and others became messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the gospel? The Apostle Paul summarized the gospel this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first few verses of that chapter. The Apostle Paul summarized it like this. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which in which you stand, by which also you are saved. What he's about to say when he declares the gospel are the truths that if you receive them, stand on them, believe in them, you will be saved by them. You are still in the Corinthians church. Guys, you are saved because of these truths, because of the gospel. So he says, for I delivered to you that which I also received. Now here he is, we're going to describe the gospel now. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by uh, Cephas, that is Peter. And by the twelve, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain alive today. Remember when, when Paul wrote his letter, a lot of those people that had seen Jesus were still alive. And so he's writing this letter and this letter is circulating and the people who are reading could go and check up what the guys he's referring to. Those guys who are alive still. And saying those guys are alive. And they saw Jesus. And then he says, after that, he was seen by James, that's Jesus' half-brother, which, by the way, during the life of Jesus, did not believe in Jesus. James thought Jesus was, was embarrassing the family, going around saying he was the Son of God. It was only after the resurrection that James fully believed in who Jesus was. And he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He gave his life for the gospel as well. And Jesus appeared to his half-brother, to James, and then by all the apostles, then last of all, he was seen by me also. So Jesus appeared to Paul as well. Even after he had gone back to heaven, he appeared to Paul. Why could Jesus do that? Because he's alive and he's God. And when you're God, you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, okay? And so Jesus appeared to Paul. And throughout the ages, from time to time, Jesus reveals himself to, to people. He appears to people. That is not the way he works normally, but sometimes he does it. But here is the gospel, folks, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. When Jesus died, it wasn't a random event. He died as the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies. And about that, that day, that Friday, there are so many prophecies about that day, about the act of the crucifixion and the things he went through. And so he died according to the scriptures for our sins. That's important. 
Jesus' death wasn't just like the death of any normal person or not even any hero. His death had implications to the whole world. He died for all of our sins. He took upon himself the burden, the sins of all humanity, past, present, and future. And he paid the price for those sins. Then he was buried. And then he rose again the third day, again according to Scripture. He himself had predicted that he was going to rise again. And other prophecies indicated that the Messiah would be risen from the dead. So this is the gospel. Christ died, he was buried, he rose, and he was seen by many. His death and resurrection were the fulfillment of prophecies. And his resurrection is Pivotal in validating everything he taught. The message of the gospel, the message that we preach, this thing called Christianity, it hangs on one fact. It hangs on the resurrection. Understand this, people. The message of the gospel hangs on the resurrection of Jesus. The Christian faith hangs on the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus is dead, so is Christianity. You realize that? Paul said that if Jesus is not alive, then our preaching is empty. Christianity is false. Our faith is is useless, and we are still in our sins. If Jesus is dead, we are not saved. That's how pivotal, how important this is. And the fact that he rose again changes everything. Now, what do we mean when we say that Jesus is alive. And I want you to understand this because we're living in days where there are many people questioning, is Jesus alive? Did he really die? Did he really come back to life? What, 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 what? So let me explain what we do not mean when we say Jesus is alive. When I say he is alive, we're not talking about his memory living on or his influence continuing even though he is dead. You know, part of my work as a pastor is to conduct funerals. And in practically every funeral, somebody will stand up and say that the deceased is still with us. He'll be alive in our hearts and in our minds forever. He's not really gone. He remains with us. And I understand that because once you've lived with somebody for a whole long time, that person remains part of you. The memory remains. But that's not what we're talking about here when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Last year, Billy Graham died. And uh, while he was alive, he said the following. He said, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? (laughs) I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Okay? And so it is true that Billy Graham is alive today in the Lord's presence. It is true that his memory lives on and that his influence continues through the books he wrote, the sermons, the videos, his life, his life story. So his influence continues, but Billy, Billy is gone. He's got no more influence, presence in this world. So when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, I'm not talking about, oh, his memory is alive. No, it's nothing like that. 
When we say that Jesus was raised, we don't mean that he was resuscitated and came back to life. All right? It does not mean that having died, he was brought back again only to die again later. Remember, Jesus brought Lazarus back to life. He resuscitated Lazarus. And he came back to life. But the poor guy later on had to die all over again. And so it is. There have been miracles throughout history where people have been raised from the dead. Resuscitated again. Some people happen miraculously. Others happen, you know, medically. You can bring people back to life. Give them a couple of shocks. They come back again. But all of them live and then they have to die all over again. That is not what we're talking about when we say that Jesus was raised from the dead. Alright, so what is the resurrection? Resurrection means that God did something new that had never been done before and has never been done again yet. Okay, because it will be done again. God interrupted the natural process of decay and decomposition. He rescued Jesus out of the realm of death and transformed his body into a new vessel, into a new vehicle for his soul and for his personality. It was not resuscitation. It was not the reconstruction of his previous body so that he could be brought back to, to life, to this life. Rather, it was a new and glorified body, not subject to the laws and to the decay of nature. Jesus now had a new power and was now immortal, never to die again. Hallelujah. That is something new, like I said, had never been done before, has never yet happened since. Therefore, the gospel is this. Jesus died. And he was buried because he was dead. He was not in a coma. He had not fainted. He had not passed out. Listen, when you went up into a Roman cross, as I've said before, you didn't come down from that cross until you were dead. Those Romans knew how to kill a man. And so when they took him down, he was gone, finished. He was not present anymore. Jesus was dead. And because he was dead, he did what? They buried him. Because he was dead. So that's the gospel. Jesus died. And he was buried. We didn't stop there. Hallelujah. The only reason we call Friday Good Friday is because we know there was a Sunday. If there was not a resurrection Sunday, Friday wouldn't be a good Friday at all. It would be tragic Friday. It was tragic anyway. But all that tragedy turned out for good. Amen. Then Jesus rose from the dead on the third day in a new glorified eternal body, never to die again. And he was seen by many. Why was he seen by many? Because he was alive. And people are not dreaming. They're not having hallucinations. They're not smoking something and then having visions about Jesus. He appeared to them. He spoke to them. He ate with them. He walked with them. And at one stage, for, before 500 people. Huh? How can you trick 500 people, diverse, different people into having the same illusion? It was no illusion. Jesus was alive and he spent 40 days showing himself to people, making sure that people knew that he was alive. Amen? Now you may say, 
that you have never seen him. And because you didn't see him, you have to believe him with blind faith. No, not really. When, 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 when Thomas doubted that Jesus was alive, remember? Jesus appeared to the disciples and Thomas was late for some reason. And then when they Thomas says, ah, you guys are dreamy, man. You know, if I don't see it, if I don't touch, you know. And then Jesus came to me and says, hey, Thomas, come here, buddy. Come. Yeah. And he goes, oh, my Lord and my God. You know, and, and, and Jesus says, Thomas, because you've seen, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen Yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen Jesus in the flesh, yet have believed. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look, look at people around you. You see? These are blessed people who have not seen Jesus in the flesh, yet have believed. Because you see, we do not believe out of blind faith. No. We believe because there is evidence. That Jesus came back to life. It is documented, not just in the Bible, but there is evidence outside of the Bible that proves that Jesus is alive. And those who have put their faith in Jesus have experienced his life, his touch, his power. And so we know that he is alive because we've experienced him in our lives. And so many of us here today have experienced that. Amen. It is not blind faith. There are many historical events and figures that we have not seen. And yet we believe that those things happened and that those people existed. How do we know? How do we believe? Because there is documentation about that. And the resurrection of Jesus is the same. There is plenty of evidence to prove that he did come back to life. So we do not believe with blind faith, but on documented evidence. We believe with the heart, but also with the mind. There is faith. But it is also intellectual understanding about this. Now, over the years, many people have tried to deny that Jesus rose from the dead. And they have tried to invent alternative narratives, alternative stories. But anyone who examines the available evidence will come to the conclusion that Jesus did rise from the dead. But people continue trying to prove that. One such person was a guy called Josh McDowell. He was not a believer, and to him, Christianity was for weaklings, not for intellectuals. As a university student, he was challenged to examine the claims of Christ intellectually. And so, he started putting his intellectual powers and abilities to examine the facts. And what he did is, he set out to write a book that would make an intellectual joke out of Christianity. He says, I'm going to show these guys. He had a couple of Christians in campus. And he says, I'm going to show these guys what a joke they are. I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to prove that Christianity is a joke. So he started researching. And he, and he wrote a book. In fact, he's written or co-authored over 150 books. All to prove that Christianity is true. Because the more, as he began to study the evidence, he couldn't help but realize, accept, and declare that Jesus did rise from the dead. The claims of Christianity are true. This is one of his books. I've got one here. Okay? Look at the size of this thing. 
It's over 700 pages, small print, two columns in each page. This book is called The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Verdict. This is the notes of the lectures he gives when he comes and shares universities and to the intellectuals that Jesus lived, that he rose again, and that the claims of the Bible are true. Huh? Look at this. <laughs> Another guy that also tried to, used to mock uh, Christianity, and another person who was changed as well after examining the available historical evidence was a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. He was a former atheist. He was the legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. And he used to believe that anyone who believed in the resurrection of Jesus was a fool. Not amen. That wasn't amen, okay? <laughs> anyway, now, last year, if you remember, <laughs> so cute, last year, if you remember, Easter Sunday happened to fall on the 1st of April. April Fool's Day, remember? April Fool's Day. And, um, and as I say, for, for, for atheists and for skeptics, they must have had a ball last, last year. Now, we, we, we're going to watch his story, which was recorded for Easter last year. Just, just listen to his story. When I was an atheist and legal editor of the Chicago Tribune, I would have smirked at the fact that Easter this year falls on April Fool's Day. Because back then, I thought that anyone would have to be a fool to think that Jesus literally rose from the dead. One day, my wife gave me the news that she'd become a Christian. And so I decided to take my journalism training and legal training and debunk the resurrection of Jesus. So I spent two years of my life analyzing the historical data. And what I found really shocked me. I recounted in my book, The Case for Miracles. First of all, I found that there's no dispute among scholars that Jesus was dead after being crucified. Uh, the famous atheist New Testament scholar, Gerd Ludeman, says it's historically indisputable that he was dead. The Journal of the American Medical Association says that based on the historical and medical evidence, that Jesus was clearly dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted. Second, we have early reports of the resurrection of Jesus, reports that come so quickly you can't just write them off as being a legend. In fact, we have one report of the resurrection, including named eyewitnesses, that has been dated back by scholars to within months of the death of Jesus. Friends, that is historical gold. Third, we have the empty tomb, and I found that even the opponents of Jesus implicitly conceded that the tomb of Jesus was empty. And then fourth, we have nine ancient sources inside and outside the New Testament confirming and corroborating the conviction of the disciples that they encountered the resurrected Jesus. Friends, that is an avalanche of historical data. And then we have seven ancient sources inside and mostly outside the New Testament that confirmed that the disciples lived lives of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation that Jesus had risen. Why were they willing to do that? Because they heard a rumor that he'd risen? No, because they were there. They touched him. They ate with him. They talked with him. They knew the truth. And knowing the truth, they were willing to proclaim it, even despite the suffering they endured. Friends, I spent two years investigating this evidence. And it came down to one day when I reviewed it all and I thought, you know what? Based on the historical data, my verdict is that Jesus not only claimed to be the Son of God, 
He backed up that claim by returning from the dead. And that's the moment that I decided to confess my sin, to turn from that, to receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. And at that moment, I became a child of God. Some people have a rush of emotion at that moment. I didn't. You know what I had? I had the rush of reason. Because the resurrection of Jesus is not some April Fool's Day joke. It is a historical reality based not on mythology or make-believe or wishful thinking, but a solid foundation of historical truth. Wow, come on. Yeah. A solid foundation of historical truth. How's that, eh? So we are not talking about a myth here. It's a reality. And those, those disciples, I mean, if, remember Peter? You know, yours all big mouth until they got to the garden and they took Jesus prisoner and then he ran, man. You didn't see Peter near you. Now, what, what happened? What changed? A bunch of cowards, a bunch of people who were afraid into powerful testimonies, powerful preachers of the gospel of Jesus. It's because they knew they were not telling a lie. They're not just keeping his memory alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And so today, we proclaim with confidence, Jesus is alive. Our King is alive. And because He's alive, it vindicated His claims. Everything He claimed to be, everything He said, by coming to life, it makes it true. It shows that He spoke the truth. Listen, when Jesus was walking on this earth, He said a number of very weird things. No wonder James got a bit embarrassed of his brother. He's walking around saying he can forgive sins. Huh? He's going to die and come back to life again. He's the son of God. Who says things like that? Now, he wasn't the first one, nor has he been the only one that talks like that. Even today, you still have people out there claiming to be the reincarnation of Jesus. One of those guys comes from my country, Brazil. He dresses like Jesus, has a beard, and, and he looks such a holy guy. The problem is getting older and older and older. <laughs> One of these is going to die because he's just a man. But Jesus made these crazy claims, and how do you know it's true? Well, the fact that he came back to life never to die again proves that everything he did say is true. He has the power. Because his resurrection also demonstrates the power of God, God's power to change, to bring back to life. And so today we can trust him with our lives. Maybe there are things that are dead in our lives. Today we can trust him to bring those things back to life again. He did miracles then. He still does miracles now because he is alive and he is real. His resurrection assures us that all he said is true. Amen. God can change people. Don't say, I cannot change. Yes, you can change. Surrender to God and He can change you. He can change others. That's all we pray for people. The surrendering part is important. Remember Jesus? He surrendered to the Father. Even being God, being the Son of God, being fully man and fully, fully God, walking on this earth, He lived a, sur a surrendered life to God. And because He surrendered to God, God could restore Him and do miracles and bring Him back to life. And if we will follow the example of Jesus and surrender to God, put our faith in Jesus, surrender our lives to Jesus, we will also be changed. It's a process called sanctification. Slowly but surely, 
We are being changed, becoming more and more in the image of Christ. And one day, when you see him face to face, we will be like him. We'll also receive one day an eternal body, immortal body, never to die again. Our king has forgiven us. Resurrection assures us that our king has forgiven us. Amen? Everything that was against us, everything shameful, every shameful chapter in our lives, every sin we have ever committed or will still commit was nailed to the cross. Colossians 2.13 says that, that everything that was against us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. So we know that our sins are forgiven. They're not going to be forgiven. They are forgiven. But we have to accept that forgiveness. Amen. It is so, so sad. If you look at this world and you see all the atrocities going on, people were so evil, so full of hatred and, and trying to find meaning in life, trying to have a better life in this life. And it is so sad because Jesus died for them too, you know. But they just ref refuse, reject. They don't want to take time to listen to the message of the gospel. Yet Jesus died for everyone. Amen. I know I am forgiven. Are you? My goodness. So many people have tormented lives due to shame, guilt from the past. Jesus took all that. You have already been forgiven. You just have to believe. Is it so easy? Some people say, yes, it's so easy. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Jesus as Lord of your life. That's all it is. And some say it is so easy. It's too easy. <laughs> it is as easy as when the Israelites look at that bronze serpent on the pole in the desert and were healed. Okay, that's for you guys that were here on Friday. You know what I'm talking about. If you've got no idea, go to our website and listen to Friday's message. It'll make sense to you. So we are forgiven. Another thing the resurrection does, it assures us that our king will return. Amen? Our king will return. When, you know, Jesus spent 40 days on the earth after the uh, resurrection. Many people saw him and spent time with him. And the time he spent with the disciples, he was giving them instructions before leaving the earth as what to do when he would go away. But before going away, he left a promise that he would return. That he would return. He said that when he returns, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power. And glory. You see, when Jesus walked into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, that you remembered last Sunday, he walked in as the humble king. On a donkey, humble, quiet, mild. But when he comes again, he's not coming as the humble king. He's coming as the powerful, ruling king. He's coming in a show of power and a show of glory. Because then, he's coming... To reign and to rule on the earth. Amen. And those who love him 
are looking forward to that event. Amen? So this Easter, on Resurrection Sunday, we worship our King. Why? Because our King died. Amen? Our King died. He really died. No man escaped the Roman cross. He was buried. He was buried because he was dead. He rose on the third day with a new, immortal, glorified body, never to die again. The freedom, the firstborn of many, the firstborn of many who would come after him and have bodies like he has right now. Resurrection for those who died in Christ. Transformation for those who are living when he returns. But you're all going to be like him. He was seen by many, of course, because he was truly alive. And because he could not be killed again, he appeared to many. So there could be no doubt that he is alive. When the disciples began to preach the message, there were a number of people who knew they were talking the truth because they had also seen Jesus. They had also been with Jesus and they knew that he was alive. The only reason a bunch of scared disciples could become bold preachers of the word is because Jesus is alive and they know that, they knew that, they had seen that. And Jesus is still alive today. After 40 days, he went back home. He didn't die. He simply went back on body and all. And today, we've got a man in heaven. Jesus is fully God and fully man with a glorified body. He's still stuck with a human body. Glorified human body. We've got a man ruling the universe right now. How's that? And he's coming back to sit on this earth and rule for a thousand years. And those who love him, those who follow him, will rule with him. And I'm looking forward to that. How about you? When he comes, the things that the people are fighting for these days and looking for these days are going to happen. Justice, peace, equity, provision, respect. All that is going to happen. And all the nations of the world will bow to Jesus and worship him. And there will be peace. Finally, there will be peace on this earth. We'll truly be one on this planet. Amen. And that is his promise. He will return and he will reign. Are you ready for that? Listen, this Easter, let's make sure about that. If perhaps you're not sure about that, you're not sure that you're right with God, don't leave today until you just make a simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I realize that you're alive. Forgive me of my sins. I commit my life to you. And to those of us who are believers, let's rejoice today. Let's just renew our commitment to him. Let's worship him and praise him. And if you are going through stuff, because until Jesus comes, we're going to live on this broken earth. We're going to deal with stuff. We're going to have broken things in our lives. We're going to have things in our lives which are dying, which need a new boost of life. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us today. In the person of the Holy Spirit. So trust God today to bring new life into any area of your life that needs new life. Trust God today for healing. Trust God today for a breakthrough. Somebody needs a breakthrough here today. And you need to know that because Jesus is alive, you can trust Him for a breakthrough. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank that you are alive. And as we continue to worship you today, Lord God, we give you glory and praise. 
And if there's anyone here today, Lord God, that is still doubting or still needs to make that commitment, help them right now, even as we worship you now, to just make that decision, to trust in their hearts that you are Christ, that you died, you were buried, you rose, you were seen by many. Help them right now to confess you as Lord of their lives. And to those of us who know you, Lord Jesus, we want to once again declare you Lord of every area of our lives. And where there is any need, any lack, anything that is dying, Lord, we pray, speak life into it. We pray for healing. We pray for new strength, new direction. In the name of Jesus, amen. So now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us, reminding us of the reality that Jesus is alive until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Easter. Have a great day. Bless you.